If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. I am especially excited for our guest today for the One Voice podcast, Natita Gassel. She is a trauma specialist, a body-inclusive therapist. She actually is the founder of the Trauma Conscious Yoga Method. And I will tell you, personally, yoga has been something that in my growing up, I was always kind of taught that it was something that was something I shouldn't do Mm -hmm. and that it was just a little bit out there. And once I started into the practice, oh my gosh, the amount of healing and the opening up of my own wounding and the reconnecting to my body, it has been one of the most important pieces to my healing journey from sexual abuse that I have yet Mm -hmm. to find. Mm -hmm. So I am Mm -hmm. just really grateful to have you on the show, Natita. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I just want to pick your brain all day, but we will <laughs> yeah. try to keep it short. Um, but why don't you just go ahead and start by sharing a little bit of your story, your background, and how mm-hmm. the trauma conscious yoga method sort of came to be. Yeah. So what you were um, speaking to just a moment ago and sharing your story actually really resonated a lot for me. Um, so when I found yoga or when yoga found me, um, <laughs> I was in my early 20s. I was about 22 years old, and I am a sexual assault survivor. Um, So this was in like the, I'm going to give you my age, but this was in like the early, mid-2000s, like around 2005, 2006. Um, And at that point, I was not yet a trauma specialist. Um, I didn't know a lot about trauma just yet um, at that point. And trauma-informed yoga, trauma-conscious yoga, trauma-focused yoga, like those were not buzzwords at at that time. Um, So I didn't really recognize in my early 20s that I was a trauma survivor, but what I recognized were the symptoms, my high anxiety, um, my hypervigilance, my inability to get quiet, my feeling of being ungrounded a lot of the time, lacking a sense of direction, Um, and having low Um, Mm self-esteem. And so I wanted to really connect to a practice that would help me heal. And so actually growing up as a kid, my father um, practiced meditation, studied yoga, and Buddhism. Mm. Um, And my mother took a different spiritual path, but the way my parents worked it out was that they kind of did their own thing spiritually and religiously, and they never really indoctrinated us kids with any of it. So we just got to witness all of it and find our own path. But I always remembered my dad, like waking up super early, going into his quiet room, chanting. Uh, He would chant for maybe like 10, 20 minutes, and then he would get really quiet. 
And then he would come out looking really peaceful. <laughs> and I was always really fascinated by what he was doing, yeah. um, but didn't quite know exactly what he was doing as a small child. But I realized there was something to that. Um, and then when I was about seven years old, we moved to Japan because my dad was actually a doctor in the military. So we moved to Okinawa, Japan. And then I got a taste for um, Asian culture and I got to see like these Buddha statues and, you know, just more like Zen aesthetic vibes. And it all just felt very warm and welcoming to me. Yeah. So basically, fast forward to, you know, my early 20s, I'm going through all this anxiety and stuff. And I just felt called to revisit the practices that I had kind of caught a glimpse of by way of being in Japan and by way of growing up around a father who meditated, um, I just, I remembered inside that this was a, a thing that I could potentially do. And so, you know, I decided I'm going to try yoga. And I had caveat or the side note, I had um, just left a professional ballet career, oh, wow. uh, which was pretty short lived. Okay. <laughs> it was pretty short lived <laughs> because that's where I had experienced some of the trauma actually. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So, you know, when I decided I was going to try yoga, I really was more interested in the meditation piece because in my mind, I was like, well, I already know how to move. I already know how to stretch. I've mm -hmm. been dancing since I was like two, you know, mm -hmm. right. um, but, you know, in the West, it's hard to find that. It's hard to find a yoga class that is more focused on the spiritual path and the philosophy and the meditation. In the West, our yoga classes are about the physical part, the asana. So I said, okay, fine, whatever. I was getting my, I was finishing my last year of my undergrad degree, and there was a two-credit yoga class. I was going to Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia, mm -hmm. um, and I, I really just needed one extra credit to graduate, and this was like a two-credit class, and I was like, perfect. Mm -hmm. So I started going to this yoga class, um, and it was three times a week, which was great because it created like this structure, and it was at like 7 a.m., so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 7 a.m., I would start my day by going to a yoga class. And the class felt very welcoming. It felt very accessible. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk around yoga and it being this cookie cutter thing and it, it being kind of culturally appropriated. And it were made to think that it's for one particular type of person. But none of that was embodied in this class. Like the woman was probably in her 50s. She looked like a real woman, you know, um, mm. the, the class was diverse with people of all different shapes and sizes and mm. racial and ethnic yeah. backgrounds. So we're also in a, in a military town, you know, so right. okay. at this point I'm in Norfolk, Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was, it was wonderful. And the class didn't come with a lot of the, you know, to be frank, bullshit that a lot of the other classes <laughs> yeah. come with nowadays. Bring it. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, bringing it. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was just such a healing experience. And so here's the thing. I was finishing up my undergrad, and then my, my goal was to go and continue on to grad school and eventually get a Ph.D. or a PsyD in psychology because I knew I wanted to be a therapist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, going through the yoga class and then continuing yoga practices at studios after my semester ended, I was like, you know what, this is actually therapy. This is the type of therapy I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll still explore talk therapy, but, you know, I don't see myself as becoming this person who sits on a couch and just talks to people all day. I see myself as being 
a therapist who's going to integrate yoga and the body into therapy. And I had that deep understanding right away in my early 20s um, that that's what I was going to do, that I was going to integrate yoga into talk therapy. So that's what I ended up doing. I ended up getting, uh, you know, certified in yoga. I've done a a ton of different yoga teacher trainings at this point. But, you know, I did my initial one then when I was 22. Um, And I actually ended up teaching full time. I did some yoga therapy trainings and I ended up teaching yoga full time for quite a bit before I decided to go back to grad school. And then when I did go to grad school, I, you know, went on to specialize in trauma. Um, Trauma was just incredibly interesting to me because in the West, in the mental health field, we can have a tendency to pathologize people and things. Mm -hmm. And um, that never resonated for me. But the way that trauma work was first introduced to me, it was introduced to me in a way where the pathology piece was taken out and it was like, you went through something, it wasn't your fault. You can heal from it. Love and I was it. like, Oh, well that is beautiful. Yeah. I'm going to specialize in trauma. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Cause like that whole pathologizing people mm-hmm. um, never worked for me. No, um, no. Yeah. So long story short, I went on to specialize in trauma You know, in my private practice, I I did just what I set the intention to do in my early 20s. I integrated trauma-informed yoga and more somatic work, somatic meaning using the body. You know, I integrated that into the trauma therapy. And at one point, I decided, or actually, I was asked to lead a trauma portion of a 200-hour yoga teacher training Hmm. uh, that a friend was doing. So I led like a four-hour training on trauma for this 200 hour yoga teacher training. And after doing that, I just got really excited. And I was like, there's way more information to provide. You can't talk about trauma in just four hours. You know, Um, there's so much more information I want to put out there. So that's when I created the trauma conscious yoga method. Um, And so now I actually have left private practice because I lead so many trainings in the trauma conscious yoga method that I can't see clients weekly. So what I do right now is I travel to different cities and I lead these trainings in the trauma conscious yoga method. And it's a method that integrates trauma informed yoga with somatic psychotherapy. Um, A lot of mental health therapists and yoga teachers come to the training, you know, for the mental health professionals, they learn how to integrate, you know, yoga and somatic work into their clinical practice. And for the yoga teachers, they're learning how to be more trauma informed in their teaching. Um, Especially if they're, especially if they're looking to teach in alternative settings, um, Mm -hmm. meaning like hospitals, prisons, rehab, uh, DV shelters, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I do now. And it fills my cup and it fills my heart and, Mm -hmm. It's been it's been an incredible journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really neat. And just knowing that you're also a survivor, you know, for me, it's like right. I can do this advocacy work and, and be an activist and speak out in all these ways um, because I do feel really called to that and it is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also part of my healing, which for you, I'm sure right. you're also receiving as you're giving. And that is such a beautiful mm-hmm. process that we can go through. Yeah, I think it's healing just to be of service. I think we're all mm-hmm. really here to be of service to other people like that's why we signed up to come here you know uh so just to be of service in whatever way you know it it really is incredibly healing yeah i would love for you to unpack for those who maybe have never gone to yoga right 
And, you know, there's survivors mm-hmm. listening. They've heard about it used in other people's healing journeys and practices. Um, mm-hmm. But it's they're afraid of it. I would love to hear, right. you know, just what that looks like. I think we talk mm-hmm. a lot about how feeling safe in our own bodies is, is terrifying sometimes. And right. you know, how how do you go about helping someone, you know, reconnect with their body and also maybe overcome that fear bring it down a level. Mm-hmm. What can yoga bring for people who've experienced trauma? Yeah, there's so much to say about that. It's a great question. Um, I'll start with this. You know, a lot of people, when they're thinking about yoga, they're thinking about what we have been um, exposed to by way of the media. Like the media is one of our biggest educational resources, unfortunately, because it's super biased, right? Um, wow. And so when people think of yoga, they're thinking of, it's either really physically intense or you have to be really flexible or you have to be a thin white woman, you know, or whatever the case may be, because that's what we see in yeah. the, the media. But it's important to know that yoga has many different layers and the asana, which is the physical practice of yoga, is only one of the pieces of the puzzle. It's only one of the layers of yoga. So while it is true that a lot of yoga classes here in the West do focus on asana, Um, you know, you don't have, that doesn't have to be your focus to be practicing yoga. And, you know, there's the meditation piece is yoga. Meditation is one of the eight limbs of yoga. You know, then there's the pranayama, the breathing, which is incredibly important for regulating the nervous system, which is what we want to learn how to do when we are trauma survivors, because trauma basically hijacks our nervous system and mm-hmm. makes it so we can go from being calm mm-hmm. to being dysregulated in a matter of milliseconds, you know? And so mm-hmm. the breathing in yoga, if it's not triggering, um, the breathing can be incredibly powerful for people to feel like they have some control over their body again, by way of being able to regulate their nervous system. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole philosophy of yoga. And honestly, for me in my early twenties, it was the philosophy of yoga. I think overall, and the meditation, but the philosophy that gave me, it it helped me develop a new relationship with my body, which was one of loving kindness and compassion and curiosity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, especially having been a ballet dancer of all things, you know, I was criticized for my body and how I performed basically my whole life, you know. So to have a movement practice where the, the theme is compassion self-acceptance, you know, um, curiosity as opposed to criticism, judgment, you know, et cetera. That was incredibly healing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one, I think it's just important to recognize yoga can be a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you go to a group yoga class, you know, then you're working with what the teacher is doing. But if you do one-on-one yoga or semi-private yoga with somebody who's trauma-informed, you know, you may not necessarily be focusing on the physical movement Mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. But um, I will say one fortunate thing is I think it's it's good and it's also, you know, it could it could have its downs as well. But it's becoming really uh, popular to become trauma informed. Yeah. So a lot of yoga teachers, you know, are now taking trauma informed yoga trainings because we're as a collective, the consciousness is shifting and we're recognizing how important it is. Mm. We're also recognizing, well, trauma is not just being in a war zone that is traumatic and that is important, you know, but Mm -hmm. 
trauma is is everywhere all the time. There's even systemic <laughs> like we've all systemic got some trauma. trauma. Yeah. Right, right. There there's the collective trauma. There's the intergenerational trauma that we've inherited from our own family line, but also as a collective. We've done a lot of violence to one another as a collective mm-hmm. historically and we've inherited that, right? So it's really important, you know, I think for all yoga teachers and really everybody, you know, to be trauma informed. And so what I would say to survivors who are nervous about going to a class, because it is true that not every yoga teacher is going to be trauma informed. And there may be a yoga teacher who, you know, mm-hmm. does hands-on assist without asking for consent. You know, right. I think more and more yoga teachers now are understanding that's not the thing to do, mm-hmm. but that you still see that, you know. Um, okay. yeah. But the good thing is yoga studios, they the teachers have bios on the yoga studio website. You can even just Google, you know, um, mm-hmm. and you can find yoga teachers who have done some trauma-informed training mm-hmm. and who have experience working with trauma survivors. Okay. Um, I was going to really, ask, where yoga, do you find them? Mm-hmm. And so you're just saying, just go go Google it. Find the one in your local community, read up on their yeah. bio, and look for those kind of tag mm-hmm. words. Okay. I know, and I did say that, and I think that can work for some people, and it won't necessarily be that easy depending on where you live. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really just depends. I know for us on the, on our website, we're working on putting up an alumni directory because okay. we've trained people who live all over the world. And That's so great. that way people yeah. can find a practitioner in their area. That's to come. We don't have that up there yet, you okay. know. But in the meantime, I think a lot of mental health professionals um, are connected to yoga teachers who are trauma aware in their area. Mm. So you could reach out, you know, to a local mental health clinic and see if they have any insight. If you're in therapy, you could consult with your therapist. I would just kind of use the resources that are available. But Google can, I mean, definitely be a powerful resource for sure. Okay. That's really great. Yeah. And just talking Mm -hmm. too about what happens physiologically. I think that is something that can become scary for a survivor because we do, we disconnect from our bodies as a means Mm -hmm. of protection and knowing Mm -hmm. that yoga is a way of healing that disconnection. It's also scary. (laughs) You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. I have a friend who the first time went to a yoga class and she ended up just laying on the mat. Just all she could do was just lay there and cry. And Mm -hmm. she was just, Mm -hmm. it was like, she was terrified, but also felt safe all in the same, Mm -hmm. all at once, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was like, you're being forced to feel things. And again, man, being forced to feel or, or just coming into a place in your healing where you're allowing yourself to feel something again. It's very scary. um, But also, I think it is a pathway for a lot of freedom, a lot of healing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think if someone had told many of us, I mean, for me too, Mary and I, we have gone to many yoga classes together and we have a wonderful one that we go to now. Just the setting is beautiful and calming. And our teacher mm-hmm. is so just non-judgmental and, and wonderful and very mindful and basic level. It's so good. But I remember one time being in this class. I mean, we we like to go places where we don't know people. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, show yeah. we show up. We sit in the corner. We do our thing. We stay away. We don't make eye contact. We do our thing. Like, But it, it is <laughs> it is our practice, you know? Like, it's hers. It's mine. Right. Um, but And we'd been doing it a number of times. And just I remember one time specifically, I felt I started crying. I was crying while we were mm-hmm, doing these poses. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I was like, 
what yeah. is happening to me? Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's something that you don't experience. But, it, but it was this point where, and it was the same thing as my other friend who I just shared about, where you make a decision. Am I am I going to shut this off? Or am right. I going to allow it? Because right. I know that it's safe and it's right. And, you know, just allowing right. that to come. But, you know, we're sitting here in a classroom of a bunch of clowns that I don't even know, <laughs> right? And I can feel like that. So, it, it can feel so vulnerable, I guess, is my thing. And it's I would very love vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but through mm-hmm. that, it is a conduit of healing for me and for so many others. And I just want our listeners to understand why. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's wonderful. You know, trauma is held in the body. And I'll get into the physiological piece of it in just a yes. second. But it is yeah. held in the body. So that's why we have to use the body to heal trauma. You can't just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Talking about it can bring some relief, but it's not going to fully resolve the stuff because you can't just talk your way through nervous system dysregulation, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, trauma, yeah, trauma stored in the body. So when you go into the body and you experience a release or you even have a conversation with your body or whatever the case may be, it brings up the stuff that needs to be discharged and metabolized, Um and so here's the thing, you know, like you said, you're like, you, you start to cry, you start to tremble and you make that choice. Am I going to shut this off or am I going to go with it because it's healing? And I think if you're able to get to that cognitively, like the way you just described it, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But I think in a yoga setting, a lot of people, when they're releasing trauma, they're not in that cognitive part of their brain. They're in the the lower regions of the brain, the reptilian brain, which is, you know, the part that is related to trauma. And, you know, it's not so much a conscious decision all the time. I will say that for this reason, when I teach and I train my teachers to do this as well, you know, provide people with an out just in case they need it. So there's an exercise I like to always guide people through in the beginning of class um, called containment. And so it's an exercise that allows us to contain things that are coming up that are too much at that time. So I teach it to people in the beginning of class and I remind them throughout the class, you know, if you need to use containment at any time, go ahead and use it. Because the thing is, there's a fine line between experiencing something and getting a release versus re-experiencing and recreating the traumatic experience, right? Okay. Um, yeah. And having like a flashback and dissociating, yeah. right? We're not yeah. looking to have people dissociate. So having a tool, empowering people with a tool like containment is what I you know, advise the people that come through my training to do so that you feel like you have control, that if you do start to cry and stuff, that's great. But if it's not the right time for you on that particular day, then you have control. You can use containment, right? right um, yes. So that's really important to me to give people tools that help them feel in control. That's great. Um, yeah, but, you know, when trauma happens, I'm going to give you just like kind of a brief, you know, this is like a, this could be like a three-hour lecture, so I'm not going <laughs> to go there, obviously. But like, okay. give yeah, us the bullet you know, points and we'll sign up for yeah. the lecture. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Um, You know, but basically when trauma happens, the prefrontal cortex of the brain is offline. Um, In the prefrontal cortex, that's the part responsible for logic and reason and Mm -hmm. rationality and Mm -hmm. problem solving. That's offline. It's the reptilian brain, um, which is responsible for our survival instincts. And it's the limbic 
brain that relates to our emotions. Those are the parts of the brain that are lighting up, you know, during mm. trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so when we experience, there's a whole series of things that happen when we encounter a threat to our safety. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, it's not immediate, but at a certain point, and it happens very quickly, if we register that there's a threat and there's no one around to help us mm-hmm. and we can't get to safety, we're going to go into fight or flight. Um, and then a lot of the times if we're actually able to fight or flee to safety, we may not, we're not going to end up with PTSD more than likely, you know, because we were able to do, the nervous system was able to do what it needed to do. Mm. It was able to carry out the, the process to resolution. It's when immobilization becomes a part of the picture mm-hmm. that people tend to have more adverse traumatic experiences. Yeah. Um, Which and PTSD. I think is most common that. Uh, like especially a child sexual abuse survivor would be in that right. freeze, the freeze mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so immobilization, we say, you know, is at the root of most traumas because if we look at what's happening, you know, you're in fight or flight. It's basically like you, you're in your car and you hit the gas pedal. Like you went from a full on stop, like your foot was on the brake and then you slammed your foot on the gas pedal to like 150 miles per hour then all of a sudden the brake is slammed again, right? Mm. So when you are in fight or flight, there's adrenaline, there's cortisol, there's all these hormones and chemicals that are spiking and elevating, and it's good. It's for your safety. But then when you get forced into immobilization, all those chemicals and things are still stirring, and your body on the inside is still trying to flee even though it can't. So it gets stuck in our tissues. It gets stuck in our muscles. Um, the nervous, the chemicals in the body remain in a heightened, dysregulated state, even though we're immobile. Mm-hmm. So we have to use the body, which allows us to get into the, the lower regions of the brain to metabolize and discharge the tension and the stress and the, the hormones and the chemicals that weren't discharged at the time of the trauma. So that's why we need to move the body to heal trauma. And that's why, you know, yoga is a beautiful place to move the body. Yeah. Here's the thing. When we're, when we're immobile in yoga, we're immobile by choice or we should be. You know, mm-hmm. that's why a trauma-informed yoga teacher should never say you have to stay here. You have to do this pose. Let people move. Let people do what they need to do so yeah. that they're gaining control over their body. If you're holding a yoga pose, it's because you chose to. You're choosing to be immobile mm-hmm. and your social engagement system is still on versus you know when the trauma happens and you're immobile your social engagement system shuts down mm-hmm. right so there's all these there's all these ways in which yoga provides a healing contrast um to what's happening during the traumatic events well and i, I thank you for just sharing all these little nuggets of wisdom because it's perfect timing as i've told yeah. nicole in the recent year and i've been revisiting uh my own counseling and healing journey of you know more um wounds that need to be looked at and and my healing journey with being a sexual abuse survivor and i've told nicole i'm mm-hmm. like are we just getting really old because i have so many aches and pains and i'm like i didn't do anything <laughs> I have this weird lump here i have a little bump there and this stuff makes right. so much sense because you know i'm mm-hmm. gonna be 40 and just a few years and I have all these little aches and pains that I know are not your standard I'm just getting old Mm. um, issues it's this deep 
um, part of my soul that has never been tended to. And it's like, girl, it's time. Mm. And my body is screaming Mm -hmm. that these things need to be looked at. And it's just, Mm -hmm. this stuff is so real and you've got to work it out. And it's, it's easy for so long to kind of ignore it. And then eventually it continues to Mm -hmm. bubble the surface and then it's screaming so loud. You can no longer ignore it. It reminds me of that book Mm -hmm. title. The body keeps the score. I just love that. Yeah. It's so Mm -hmm. true. We're carrying these experiences and, And even like you said, Natita, just even things from our ancestors, like, you know, this is a generational kind of thing that we Mm -hmm. do carry through um, mindsets and just injustices that, you know, we may have experienced in our lives. Um, And we're all Mm -hmm. carrying it in our lives and we don't even know it. Yeah, it's so true. You know, and our society um, encourages us to disconnect from our body in yes. so many different ways. You know, yes. don't even have time to go into that. But, uh, but that's honestly, a whole I do want to go into but... it a little bit because yeah. coming from um, a Christian background, I think that that mm-hmm. is a big part of the myths that are believed about yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That it that we are not to connect with our bodies. That it is in yeah. some some way. Um, I don't know how to say it. Sinful, maybe sinful. Yeah, because we're not, yeah, yeah. just connecting with God. You know, we're 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 not putting God as the center. We're now putting ourselves Mm -hmm. on a pedestal or something. It's it's been something I've had to really break down and understand and dispel the myths. I mean, do do you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? I feel like there's a lot of myths. Definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know. um, Hmm. There's so much to say about that. <laughs> yeah, one of the reasons. You're like, one of the reasons come why I to love my yoga. 25-hour training, lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody should just sign up immediately, basically. But we will, we will share no, at the end but, of the podcast um, about that too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say one of the things I really love about yogic philosophy. And now, I mean, it does have roots in Hinduism. So some people who try to say yoga is a religion, mm-hmm. even though I see yoga as more of a contemplative practice, mm-hmm. um, if people are really adamant about it being a religion, well, there are some people, you know, South Asian people who do consider it a religion and some who don't, you know. So I'm oh, kind gosh. of like whatever when it comes to that. But you could, I have had plenty of friends who are, Christians and who also practice yoga, um, you know, so it's not plenty, like so many, right? right but one absolutely. of the things, you know, I really like about yoga, now there's two different, there's different schools of thought, even within, you know, um, Eastern or, or Asian spirituality and religiosity. So there's the dualist framework and the non-dualist framework. Um, so Christianity, you know, is a dualist uh, you know, religious system where it's like, that is God, you know, God is out there and then you are you and God is outside of you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And verse, and there are some schools of yoga who are like, that are like that as well. Um, but then there's also the non-dualist, which is what resonates more with me personally, which is, you know, the divine is outside, but there's also the divine within, you know. And it's not egotistical to say that there's a divine within. It's really what it is. It's recognizing our oneness, right? Absolutely. So we are well, the in individual soul. It's about inviting mm-hmm. Jesus into your heart. So that makes sense. Even, right. Even in that right. sort of language. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. To embody that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even that is slightly different because like 
with a with a dualist approach, it's like, yeah, you can invite the divine in to try mm. to become more Christ-like, you know, or more divine-like. But with a non-dualist approach, it's like there's nothing you need to invite. You were born, yeah. you know, yeah. um, connected to mm. your divinity, and you you forgot because by way of being born, there was trauma that made you forget, right? Um, right, right. Immediately upon our birth, we're <laughs> yeah. met with the biases and the projections of our mm. parents and our society, right? So the, the non-dualist I've always loved because it, it helps to recognize and really register that oneness, you know, and with a non-dualist approach, what we see is that because the body is divine, mm-hmm. the body can be used as a vehicle for liberation, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that is really what resonates with me, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, yoga okay. is a practice of uniting mind, body and spirit. And that's incredibly important for trauma survivors, because when we experience trauma and we dissociate, we are now our mind is disconnected from our body. Mm-hmm. Right. So Absolutely. yoga helps you connect the mind back to the body. And so mm-hmm. just. It's so incredibly powerful, you know, for trauma healing. So powerful. I mean, dissociation, I think, is is such a hard-to-understand piece of the healing journey. Mm -hmm. And once you're able to understand what an embodied person can feel like, it's like you become Mm -hmm. a whole new being, right? You're able to look at things differently, feel things again, you know. And I've always Mm -hmm. said when when you shut down all the negative emotions, you're shutting down the positive ones, too. And so it can feel right, safe for right. a while, but it's not fulfilling. It's not freeing. You're not living your best life. I, right. I read one yeah. time on your Instagram, you wrote, when the heart feels safe to open, so will the ears. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. I had to sit down for a second and like, whoa, <laughs> that is so real. Mm-hmm. And that is something that mm-hmm. I've experienced through the combination of talk therapy and doing yoga in a trauma-informed way. Mm-hmm. So that is so real. Mm-hmm. Cause, because once you get to that place of everything's communicating with each other again, right? Heart, mm-hmm. your mind, your feelings, your soul, everything. Right. You're communicating right. and it's and it's like, oh my gosh, like everything is on steroids. Like all your senses are on steroids right. and it's like a beautiful world again where it was once so dark and like, confusing and scary definitely you know and i would just like to invite you know the trauma survivors who are listening you know just to be compassionate uh, you know toward your body and curious about the 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 fascinating way that your body is wired to survive because Mm -hmm. a lot of survivors you know we were talking about dissociation being confusing, you know, um, people who might experience dissociation or who are not or feel like their bodies fails them mm-hmm. or something like that. It's important wow, to recognize yeah. that all the different things that happen in the in the process of you experiencing trauma, they all of the things you experience, whether it was like you shut down or you blacked out or you dissociated or mm-hmm. even the current behavioral patterns that you're experiencing now, right? Mm-hmm. It's all the way of your body trying to survive, right? right? And your body is wired to try very creatively just about anything to survive. That's part of our resiliency, right? Mm-hmm. So get curious about, you know, if you dissociate, for example, instead of being hard on yourself about mm-hmm. it, recognize like that's your body's way of surviving right mm-hmm. so there's there's always a strength in whatever this thing may be of course if you're dissociating constantly you're not really awake 
to benefit, to experience the beauty of your life, you know, so that's something we'd want to help you work with to, you know, but, but just understand that if you do dissociate, like that's your body's beautiful way of Mm. keeping you safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm sure this is something I can just hear you saying it now, (laughs) you know, in your yoga sessions. (laughs) And I had never really heard this before, even in years of counseling. And I had gone to a yoga session uh, where Nicole and I were there and the teacher had said on numerous occasions, no judgment. Mm. You're not judging your body mm-hmm. if you're not able to get this pose, mm-hmm. if you're not flexible enough, if you're just kind of achy mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you're not loose and you're not in the zone and you're not in your body. And you can take that statement and apply it from head to toe on every single level of your being at your core and your yeah. soul and yeah. your heart and your mind. And I've even been working now <laughs> with my therapist on no judgment. Um, you know, in my body and Mm -hmm. it's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about here that thank you that I have these coping mechanisms that just, you know, Mm -hmm. went right into overdrive and helped me survive that moment in time. And then, and I am, Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed many years ago with disassociation disorder and I am thankful that I had it then, but now I'm working on being present and having a toolbox Mm -hmm. of things that I can go to that allow me to still be in my skin and experience life. Because like you just said, I don't want to also miss out on all the good that's there because I've checked out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, thank you for sharing that. And it sounds like you've done an incredible amount of work, um, which is incredibly beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. and can be really hard sometimes and also just incredible to experience the outcome of it all. And I, I, I just remember too, in those classes, how, you know, you can hear those kind of words and it is about the session, but yeah, it can mean so much more to you. And I, I'm triggered now to remembering when I cried that session, that's what it was about. It was yeah. about something that I was mm-hmm. dealing with outside of that session. It had nothing to do with the session, mm-hmm. but hearing her words mm-hmm. saying that, and she was even saying things like, and if you want to do something totally different than what we're doing right now, that's okay too. Yeah. Permission. Great. This is your Great. practice, which yeah. I hear as this is mm-hmm. your healing journey. You know, where we all have mm-hmm. different journeys. Our traumas look different. Our healing looks different. But we're all sort of mm-hmm. on that same path, walking towards some sort of similar destination together. And that, that's right. what makes it yeah. such a beautiful process. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And sometimes it really is that where, you know, the, you're experiencing something. The teacher says no judgment, you know. Mm-hmm. And it can be like a moment of feeling seen even though it's not being directed only yeah. toward you you yeah. know that somebody is speaking to you kindly you mm-hmm. know somebody <laughs> is speaking to you compassionately mm-hmm. and and truly inviting you to to be just to be really you know just to be um mm-hmm. just to be as you are and that can definitely trigger that emotion yeah. so that's that's wonderful and that class sounds great it sounds great that she was like giving inviting you, you know, to do what you needed to do, mm-hmm. because that's what we want to do in a trauma-informed class. We never want to force our will on someone that would just recreate, you know, the trauma. So good, Natita. As we look at wrapping up our podcast, we could talk about so much more stuff, but we only have a limited amount of time. <laughs> Thinking about our listeners, you know, sexual abuse survivors, those who've experienced trauma in their lives, Mary, myself, yourself, you know, what are some... Just final words of encouragement, advice, some takeaways, just some power words that you could share with all of us. I think that piece around being compassionate, you know, definitely. And, you know, questioning everything, you know, be around people that 
make you feel uplifted, right? Mm. If if there's people that you are around, you know, that you start to feel judged or, mm-hmm. you know, it's you're, you're feeling like maybe you're unlovable around these people or, you know, you, you're not you're feeling like, you know, listen to your body, you know, mm. listen to what your body's cues are. It's really important. Yeah. I think that we surround ourselves with people that our bodies are able to relax around because here's another mm. piece of it for a lot of people. Let's say your trauma is just so severe and so chronic and it's been happening for so long and you're new to the healing path. Being around people who have gone through their own healing and are continuing to do their own healing, those people show up in the world differently. And being around people like that is going to actually help you regulate your nervous system Mm. versus what tends to happen when we have a lot of trauma because we feel bad about ourselves and we don't like ourselves. Mm. We hang around people that just reinforce the the negative core belief, I'm unlovable Mm -hmm. or I'm not worthy or nobody, nobody likes me. I'm stupid, you know? So So I think it's really, and this can be hard, but really what I'm speaking to is like your support system. Like don't do this, don't do, don't do this alone. You know, and if you don't have a support system, I would recommend therapy. Um, And there's always going to be clinics that offer like sliding scale therapy, low cost therapy, if that's an issue. But a therapist is someone who can support you and then can also help you um, grow your support system. I would say that, you know, we mm. are we are wired to survive in tribes. Colonialism has disconnected us from our tribal way of living. Sure. Um, but we're wired. We really need to be in community. So I would just say, you know, lift yourself up, but also be around people who lift you up. That's it. Absolutely. It. Yeah. And I think that yeah. speaks to a lot of the things that, you know, Mary, you and I have talked about privately, but also on the podcast for in in different ways throughout each of our guests and our topics has been, you know, learning what boundaries look like. And as a survivor, a lot of times we're people pleasers and we just go through the motions. We want to make everyone else happy. Mm -hmm. We're the martyr, even if it comes to Mm -hmm. being in situations where our abuser is, it's hard or the Mm -hmm. person who was silent about our abuse, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. we just Mm -hmm. want to make everybody else feel better. Meanwhile, we're the ones just right. bleeding on the street and no one really knows. And right. so that is such a good mm-hmm. word, Natita, for all of us to mm-hmm. to remember that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need our people and we don't have mm-hmm. to be around people who bring us down, especially if you're on that, right. that deep healing road. I mean, that is the, the most important time to be surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with a strong circle, um, so that, that yeah. is really good. And I think also all the other things you're talking about, the colonialization, I'm here for that. And we could probably do another podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, that'd be its own episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mary and I can feel the fire in your bones across, <laughs> across these airwaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it. yeah. Oh, yeah. You can feel it. It's there. <laughs> but truly, it's interesting when you think about yoga and especially the trauma conscious yoga like you're talking about where it really is a lot of it is rooted in those topics that I care so much about like social justice and you know Mm -hmm. just becoming more awake as human beings on this earth like we have to be awake not just in one aspect of our life but you know in all of the aspects of life and all the people that we're surrounded with and we have to find our voice and how are you going to find your voice if you're not connected to your own body Exactly. Yeah. You said it wonderfully. Yep. All of that. All of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I would just tell people to start now, just start. If you haven't, you know, started your healing journey yet, you know, I would just say, it's just start, just do it. Because the other thing is like, once you have gotten to a certain point, you know, talking about the community piece, you'll get to a place where you just won't allow people who don't lift you up to be around you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you just be like, no, I'm not going to be around <laughs> this person or that person, exactly. you know, like, you know, it gets, it gets easier. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. yoga, therapy, journaling, meditation, there's also so many free resources online, but I, you know, I will say, I don't, think anything replaces um, working with a licensed professional, you know, if you're new to healing to get Mm -hmm. some type of foundation, you know, it's really hard to even know, well, what is healing? How do I do it? If you've never worked with somebody one-on-one or in a group. So yeah, yeah, reach out, start Mm -hmm. now. That's really good. And, and I thought kind of along the lines of what you just said with, you know, not wanting people to bring you down and you, you sort of get to a point where you're like, no, I'm not, I'm not hanging out with you anymore. Like, that's just, not, right. that's just, you're not here for the road ahead for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've gotten to that point. And for a while I thought, okay, it's because I'm pushing, getting up there to close to 40. You know, you get older, wiser, you have less energy mm-hmm. and definitely less energy mm-hmm. for all that drama. Then I'm like, well, right. I don't know if you study the Enneagram, but I'm like, well, maybe it's the nine in yeah. me. I'm just, yeah, I'm just now kind <laughs> yeah. of owning that number for myself and I am cutting a lot of people out in my life where I used to be very outgoing very social I loved all my friends to be friends and now I'm just like "Hmm, Mm -hmm. I like you three (laughs) right yeah I don't yeah but maybe it is in fact the level of healing the place on my journey that I've reached where it just makes a lot more sense it's smarter for me it's healthier it's safer I don't know Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think we get to a point where, you know, when we've done so much work, we're not willing to be around people that start to feel like they're undoing our work, you know, um, That's a good you know, or whatever it. the case may be. Yeah. Or just the inner, if the energy is feeling toxic, you know, and we've done so much healing work to try to detoxify, to release the toxicity from our body, yeah. you know, through healing, you know, then why that's like, you know, well, I'm horrible at giving analogies, so I won't even try. But, you know, if you're doing all this work to clear out, you know, um, pain from your body, then why be around people, you know, that mm. cause you pain? You know, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. So, I've been yeah. having that exact conversation with my counselor recently, and I was trying to describe to her, I'm like, there's just certain relationships, you know, as I've gotten older, that it just this person never changes and this this thing that's mm-hmm. an issue in our relationship never changes. And mm-hmm. I finally come to realize with her help is that the healthier you get, the more that your skin crawls around these people yeah. who you know are so bad. Mm-hmm. And it all goes back to listening to your body. That's and so that, true. Yeah, yes. coming out of being a survivor mm-hmm. because yeah. we have a little bit more intuition about people. We totally. can discern the toxicity. Listen to your gut when it's going, hello, mm. get away, run. And I've learned mm-hmm. that like, I'm walking into certain situations where like professionally I have to be around certain people. Mm-hmm. You put up that bubble and I'm like, hey, my wall is so high. But for the next 30 minutes, I'm here, I'm present. You know, I'm going to be smart mm-hmm. about what I say and because I cannot walk away from the situation, but I just know to be on guard and I've got my armor on, I'm ready to go. And then I walk away 
and I can choose to be around those safe people in my life yeah. again. And be so, vulnerable and feel right. like soft again. Mm-hmm. Right. That's but it's good. just lear- learning yeah. to listen to those little alerts that are saying, mayday, mayday. <laughs> you know, and just mm-hmm. checking yourself and be like, all right, I'm pumping uh-huh. up my armor a little bit more and just knowing because there are those situations where we can't always avoid True. those super toxic people that are just there and right. taking up space. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, as you're recovering, you know, from whatever you've been through and you're learning how to listen to your body, then it becomes more easy, even second nature to listen to your body, you know, and then just like what you were saying, I will say, and I don't know if I said this, I don't like to say that people are toxic, but I think that Mm. some people, because they haven't done a, a certain level of work, the energy that comes out might feel toxic to me. Okay. You know, yeah, I want to make good. sure I, I frame, I want to be careful about the words I use because I don't think any people are toxic. You're I think a lot of people are walking around in pain. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, well, yeah, well it, comes back, it comes back to that oneness, right? Because yeah. it's really you're right, for you're recognizing right. the oneness in all mm-hmm. of us, you know, mm-hmm. but some people are carrying a lot more pain and it comes out as toxicity, right? Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. You're so kind. Yeah. You're so gracious. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was my higher self speaking, which I'm not always in, but yeah, that was the higher self just now. <laughs> you are what I aspire to be. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Well, this has been such a beautiful conversation, Natita, and I, I would love to continue Yay. this in some other form or just unpack farther yeah. down the road. But until then, could you please just share um, with us and with our listeners um, more about, you know, just just what you're doing, how we can all get in touch with you and and even how maybe some of our listeners could sign up for your trauma conscious yoga method course. I would recommend people first go to the website, which is traumaconsciousyoga.com. You know, and from the website, you can pretty much learn about all the things we're doing. So from the website, there's a place for you to look at the schedule for our in-person trainings and see what cities we'll be in. Um, And then we also have an online training in the Trauma Conscious Yoga Method, Mm -hmm. um, which is open enrollment. You can enroll at any time, and there's lifetime access when you enroll in the online training. Mm -hmm. Um, From the website, if you're not ready to sign up for the training, you know, from the website, you can sign up from our newsletter, and you'll get this introductory email series, which provides you with some trauma-informed yoga education to kind of get you started. And if you're on the newsletter, you'll get connected to our social media and our YouTube and all of that. And I mean, I'm excited to say that we have a lot of new things coming up that are in the works. We're about to launch a couple of new projects that may interest people. So we're growing and we're expanding. So yeah, if you're interested, just follow us, you know, sign up for the newsletter and check out the website. That's great. Well, thank you for just being here with us. Thank you for all that you're doing for all the wonderful people on earth. And it's, it's really inspiring. I'll tell you that. And um, it, it just pushes me to to want to do more of my own personal work, just hearing more about all of this. Yeah. And, and just your voice is just so comforting. <laughs> oh, You're great. going from head to toe. Thank That's what you. she's trying true. to say. It's true. Yay. So, oh, awesome. Well, maybe you'll well, see Mary and you. I at one of your uh, workshops one day. I sure hope so. <laughs> That would be wonderful. And thanks y'all for having me on. It's been such a really fun and engaging conversation. So yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.